Good morning. Welcome to Brighton Road. Um, I'm leading this part of the service. My name's John Fisher, if I, anyone I don't know. Um, and uh, Julie is preaching. Um, so what we're going to do this morning is launch straight in uh, with a hymn. Um, uh, and I'll explain a little bit um, uh, after that of where maybe God is taking us, um, <laughs> as far as I can tell at present. But I'll let you know as we go along. Um, so uh, let's join together and sing Holy, Holy, Holy. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So the way um, we're going this morning and kind of reflecting um, partly that hymn, partly that passage, um, I just felt that we needed to kind of think about an intimacy with God, um, honesty with God, but also an acknowledgement of his holiness. And it seems like it doesn't quite fit, yet it does, that this amazing, holy, awesome God is also the God who can speak to us like that 
so um, kind of tender and understanding of our situation. So um, that's what I'm, I'm aiming for. Um, and let's, uh, let's see where we get. So uh, let's pray. Lord, we come to you as individuals and perhaps um, as a society, as a church. And we acknowledge that that is us, uh, burned out, feeling the, feeling the weight of, of difficulty. Lord, we thank you that you have a way. You have such good words of advice and friendship. You have a way of living and a way of existing in your presence. We are blown away by that. That this God, this holy God, this holy and awesome and, and you know, in, in the Old Testament kind of terms, unapproachable, fearful, uh, that you have that friendship, those words for us, that closeness for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you would teach us to exist in this place, to walk in the holiness of your presence, to be in that place where you are, and to work out those unforced rhythms of grace that we can live like this. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing sacrifice that makes this amazing relationship possible. That means that we can be in that holy place with that holy God. We thank you for who you are and we bless you and worship you this morning. Amen. So we've got a, a few songs to sing. Uh, please feel free to stand up or sit down or lie down, frankly, whatever, whatever makes you comfortable. Oh, 
Lord God, firstly, we bring you uh, the people who are on Alpha. What a great blessing and privilege it is to be able to talk about you with people and to bring people closer to you. Lord, we pray your blessing on those people um, who are in that group. We pray your blessing on Dick and Bob and the, their great hosting and on Julie and on Tim. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Alpha. It's been such a privilege to see so many people come to know you through Alpha. And we pray that this particular cohort will be amazingly, immensely blessed and that they would come to know you for themselves. Amen. Amen. 
Lord, we pray for this generation, the generation of people, the, the people, um, our children and grandchildren uh, and their contemporaries. Lord, we pray that you would be their, um, <laughs> their cloud or their fire, you know, their cloud in the day and their fire by night, that they would find you and know you. They would find you and know that you are the one who can lead them out of where they are. Lord, we look around and we see what looks on the surface to be a disaster um, in terms of the lostness and mental health situations that people are facing. And we pray your blessing on those people. We pray your blessing on those um, right, in, in, right in, the, in the thick of it this weekend, people who are in crisis. We pray your blessing um, on them. We pray your blessing on people who, uh, who have not been able to function in their lives because of anxiety. We pray that you be the one who is known to them. And Lord God, we pray uh, at this particular time when everyone is heading off in various directions, we pray for, for safety. We pray for uh, the arrangements of people. We pray for those who are heading off um, to camps and conferences um, in, this, in this next little time. We pray that you will be with us, that wherever we go, you will be with us. Wherever we are, you will be with us. And we thank you and praise you for your amazing uh, direction and that, that friendship that you have with us. Amen. Does anyone want to pray? Uh, Michael's got something. He might want to pray, but he's also got something else to say. Thank you, John. I was talking to Dad this week, as I usually do, and uh, we're looking at love and how loving we can be. Love is not simply just loving everything and everybody. As a father, I love my children, but I would not allow my children to have what they want. If my son came to me and asked for a gun, and some ammunition. Because I love him, I would give him a gun and ammunition. If my children came to me and said, we want to play on the M23, and we want to have fun, and a fun park there, I wouldn't agree with them. I still love my children, but I don't agree with them doing certain things, which I know would be harmful to them. Now, my dad wrote a book, and in that book, he put a number of rules and regulations, mainly because he loved us so much that those laws, those rules, those commandments are there for us to follow. And he loved us so much that he wrote us a guidebook. And I fear, in many ways, we've gone away from that guidebook. In Jeremiah chapter 2, it talks about the generation that moved away from God and his word. And I love Jeremiah in many ways. I know he's called the weeping prophet, but his heart was for the people. He wanted them to repent. He wanted them to turn back. We look at the abandoned generation and we say, God, we need to go and reach that generation. Each one of us has contact with that generation. Each one of us has an opportunity of sharing in some way. But we all need to do what God tells us to. And we all need to obey that word. When Dad says go, go. And remember what God has called you to do is what he's called you to do. Not what he's called John to do, or Julie, but you. Thank you, John. We've got a, another couple of songs. Um,
So let's uh, carry on and uh, consider what God's saying to us as we worship.
Lord, we thank you that we can spend time with you. And Lord, as we rest in your presence, we pray that you would speak to us further. Amen. Amen. Uh, Rosemary's going to bring our reading, um, and then uh, Julie for bringing the word. I think this passage is an example of where Paul really does seem to take a few bypaths before he gets to the real point. So I think we should pray especially, Lord, open your word to us that we may understand from it what you are saying to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 21 and going through to chapter 12, verse 13. What anyone dare else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super-apostles, even though I am nothing. The things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders and miracles, were done among you with great perseverance. How were you inferior to the other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we all have Bibles, and some of us have lots of Bibles. Lord, help us to uh, read them and understand them and be changed and be blessed through them. And we thank you for this portion of your word today. May you speak something to each one of us, to strengthen us and encourage us, we pray. Amen. 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 So it's a long, a long passage. We'll just look at a little bit, well, some of it. Um, and the passage that was read so beautifully to us, Rosemary, thank you. Um, Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, his thorn in the flesh, or in my flesh, another passage says. Can we just have that uh, first slide up, please? So, to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. There was a thorn in his flesh, Something that greatly bothered Paul. And we've heard of this before. Uh, even outside of the church, outside of the Bible, people use that metaphor um, for a thorn in the flesh. Something that bothers them, that annoys them, that irritates them, that's hard for them. And we're going to ask seven questions today and answer them. Firstly, what was it then, this thorn in the flesh? that Paul talks about. It was something in his life, as we've seen, that wouldn't go away. It was painful and it hurt him. Thorn is uh, from a Greek word, okulops, which means a splinter or a thorn uh, or a barb, uh, like at the end of a fish hook. And he said it was in his flesh. Not necessarily his physical flesh, although it could be. Well, what was it is the the question and the short answer is we don't know and this would be a very short sermon and we can all go home <laughs> we don't know scholars have debated and wondered and researched and been convinced come up with about 50 different possibilities in one place and two of the main ones two favorite ones um, is firstly that he had acute eye problems based on some comments that were made in, uh, in he makes in 1 Galatians um, 4. And he says, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What's happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So that could be a hint. Galatians uh, 6 verse 11, he writes, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And then in Romans chapter 16, um, we read, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, 
greet you in the Lord. So it seems that it was dictated by Paul and Tertius wrote it down. So maybe it was an eye problem that he had. Somebody said, although it's speculation of course, that it could have been brought on initially by the blinding vision on the Damascus Road, but that's, who knows, that's uh, just speculation. But another favourite possibility is the messenger of Satan. And it could have been an enemy or enemies, those who uh, fought against him because he, had, he was persecuted, wasn't he? And he was treated really badly. Um, and this is because in the Old Testament, adversaries are sometimes referred to as thorns in your sides. Um, Numbers 33 says, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. So it could be one or other of those, or it could be something else. I can't, myself personally, but what do I know? I favor the I thing, but I, who knows? But that's not the point. We don't know. He hasn't written it down. He hasn't told us. And whatever the thorn was, Paul describes it as a messenger from Satan. Something from Satan with an evil intent. And Paul didn't like it. He didn't want it, and it bothered him greatly. He wanted it taken away. It was hindering. Whatever it was was hindering his ministry. It was hard. It was difficult. A thorn is painful. If you get one in your finger, as we know, a splinter or something, it's a, a tiny little thing, but it really can bother us, can't it? And it, a th- it keeps our attention. It hurts. It's always there. It's a constant trial, and it's always obtrusive. Secondly, then, the second question I would ask is, do we have a thorn in the flesh? or more than one. We've probably all got thorns in the flesh, not like Paul's, whatever it was, maybe. And we're not talking about just the general difficulties of daily life here that we all go through. But even as I am talking, it's maybe something specific that immediately springs to your mind. Maybe, I mean, we've probably got more than one. It could be Perhaps some sort of disability that is hindering you from what you want to do and it's really hard and difficult. It could be an unhappy job. You're just stuck in a job that you're not happy with. Or perhaps it's a lack of one. It could be an enemy, someone you don't get on with, someone in the family perhaps that keeps you on your toes, that's really hard for you could be something like loneliness that's always there. It's really hard. could be unhappy living conditions. could be some sort of temptation. Possibly an unhappy marriage. could be disobedient children, children who've disappointed you. Maybe failure, something you'd really wanted to do but didn't and you failed at and that's just always there and it just keeps rearing its head and makes you feel down and could be financial failure, a failed marriage even. Maybe someone's accused you of something falsely and it's just hard because you know you didn't do it. Could be temptation, some sort of temptation that you gave into and it just keeps coming back to haunt you. Something that Something happened that God didn't stop and you have to live with the consequences and it's painful and maybe you're ashamed or I'm ashamed and we've prayed about it but God hasn't removed it, hasn't healed it and hasn't sorted it yet. My thorn, I was thinking about this, I guess for me, the, the situations of my two sons who were following the Lord, who were baptized as teenagers, went on mission, um, and then 
have gradually drifted away from, from the Lord. They, my oldest son came to church with his children um, when I was leading at life, but uh, very often he came there to the children's services and things, but they're not following God in a passionate way. And that's a bit a thorn in my flesh. That, that upsets me, that saddens me. Um, I'm sure there are other thorns that, that I've got if we're using those kind of analogies, but that's one for me. I think it's always important to be honest and upfront about um, the things that we struggle with because then we can help one another, can't we, and support one another. But in Paul's case, we simply don't know, and that was probably on purpose because we can identify with Paul. If it was just one specific thing, we'd think, well, that was just Paul. But Paul is using a figure of speech here, a term broad enough to include any of our thorns. It was obviously something very specific for him and in the context of the Bible. But I'm sure um, that we can, um, we can find our, the thorn that we have um, included in, in that term. So thirdly then, third question, what did he do about it? So what did Paul do? 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Next one, please. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He pleaded with God. Pleaded, the word is, the word is very strong there. He pleaded with God to take it away. Maybe then he didn't because he got an answer from God. Maybe after that he didn't pray about it anymore. But, but he pleaded he didn't want it. But on this occasion, God didn't step in and he didn't take it away. He allowed it to happen. This Paul, who has seen amazing answers to prayer, Paul, who's, uh, through whom God has worked many miracles, God didn't answer him in the way he wanted. He allowed it to remain we have to believe and trust that God knows best and he has his own reasons. And while we can persist in answer, asking unless we hear specifically from God to say not to ask anymore, there are some things, and, and again I say we do need, you know, we can keep on praying, but there are some things that for the time being at least we have to accept and deal with. And keep on trusting God for. You see, he allows things. He doesn't stop them. I don't think he makes them. Satan only moves, though, with God's permission. Fourthly, why was the thorn given? Why was the thorn given to Paul? Well, Paul himself discerns the reason. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Paul had been blessed to receive many revelations. On the road to Damascus even, um, when he'd seen the, the, the risen Lord Jesus and the bright light from heaven flashed around him and the companions saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice that was speaking to him. And then again in Acts, when he heard the Lord and the Lord stood near him, take courage, the Lord said to him. And then at Troas, Paul's vision of the man at Macedonia. And uh, again in Acts, on his way to Rome, an angel of the Lord. So he's had lots of amazing um, visions and revelations. And he had, this was Paul, he had a special um, relationship with God but particularly he is saying this particular uh, thorn or th this is particularly what he's referring to in 2 Corinthians 12 2 to 4 he had a vision of paradise an extraordinary experience with God he talks about this man but we are thinking that it that it is him he said in that passage I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. 
And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. He says this took place 14 years earlier, and possibly the thorn in the, fl the flesh came after that, uh, immediately after that, who, who knows. It would have been easy for Paul, so easy for him, with all these miracles and the revelations and the way God worked through him in his Christian life, would have been easy for him to become full of pride and for the churches to elevate him as someone special. I mean, of course, he was special and he did do amazing things and that needed to be recognized. But it just reminds me, too, that those who have amazing miracle, uh, ministries and we can read about them, we know about them, where hundreds and thousands of people become Christians and where God moves powerfully through them, those people must keep grounded and accountable because it's very easy to become full of pride, isn't it? So many people with amazing ministries, I say so many, but they're the ones that we hear about, um, fall in one way or another um, because they become prideful. And even recently we have, we've seen people in, in, in high and upfront ministries and clearly done amazing things without a doubt, but then have fallen. God needed Paul to be humble and humility, and as I say that, I speak to myself here because it's something I, I probably struggle with myself a bit. Humility is a necessary trait for God's people. We need to be humble. In Luke chapter 18, the parable of the Pharisee and the, the collector, um, we read, For everyone who exalts himself, Jesus said, will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And in 1 Peter, we read, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble, it's hard. And, you know, if everything went our way, if we just did everything and we prayed for everyone and they instantly healed, and uh, if everything went right with us, we would start to feel that we were a bit super, we were a bit special. And for us too, I think God allows things to keep us humble in the same way as, as Paul does, um, said the theologian F.F. F. Bruce says, the specific purpose of the thorn in the flesh is to puncture out pride. <laughs> and whatever this thorn was, it was a humbling experience for Paul. He didn't want it. It was in his way. It was distracting him, whatever it was. And again, again, I say, and I think Paul, and we've seen it as we've been going through 2 Corinthians, it takes humility to admit that we have weaknesses uh, to, uh, to others and even to ourselves. But we have them. We have things that aren't immediately sorted. We, it, it brings us... Because when everything's going really well, we... We sometimes, we forget about prayer, we forget about our dependence on God, but when we have something, it draws us close to him. It keeps us dependent on him. Charles Stanley said, whatever brings you to your knees in weakness carries the greatest potential for your personal success and spiritual victory. Fifth question, then, how did God respond to Paul's request to take it away. Verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for it's my power that's made perfect in your weakness. And it's in times of weakness and hardship, as we said, that the Lord's strength can be experienced most 
completely. It's those times that we, we come to depend on God and not in our own strength and wisdom. For me, I've often said that with all the difficulties I had uh, when I was in Japan in particular, and ongoingly so, but all the difficulties and the hardship and the pain and the rejection, all of those things I would rather still have had because I came to know Jesus and his strength and his power and his support and his guidance and his leadership. I'd rather have had all those things, although of course you don't really like them, but I would rather have had them and known him and known his power than uh, led a carefree life with no problems and everything going hunky-dory. That's not a good expression, but whatever um, we can say. Um, and not known him. I would rather have gone through all the difficult things I went through, and some of you have gone for, through far more, but I would rather have, because that I got to know him, and, and know his strength, and know his power. And also, I can relate, you know, when we share our weaknesses, and when we've gone through things, we can identify with other people, and we can relate to other people, and we can... God uses us in that way. If everything was all right, you know, what would I have to say uh, to people who are struggling so much? Sixthly then, how does Paul respond? Well, it seems he rises as ever. Paul rises above the situation after he's heard from God and accepts it. For in the weakness, he has the opportunity to experience even more the power of Christ in his life as God helps him deal with whatever it was. He even goes so far to say, and I'm not sure I would say this, but he says in 2 Corinthians 12, next one, thank you, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not sure I would say I delight in them, but this is Paul making the point. When he is weak, then he is strong in him. So the last question for us to ask ourselves this morning, how will we respond? How do we respond to our whatever it is, Thorn in the flesh. Whatever we're going through, whatever thorn in the flesh we may have, however hard it is, God says to me and he says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Whatever it is, my grace is sufficient for you. You can do this with me. Paul says in Philippians for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, God has a strategic view. We don't. And above anything else, God wants us to get to know him better and become more and more like his son. While we're on earth with all our trials and our difficulties and our pains and our sorrows, he wants us, by allowing us to go through certain things, he wants us to get to know him better. He, he wants us to know the power that uh, is, is within us when we believe and receive the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be full of his strength and his power. And we need to allow God to pour himself into us in order that we can pour ourselves out for other people. His power, not to restrict him, but allow his power to flow through us. So may he take your thorn, my thorn, our thorns, whatever they are, it is, and use it for, in some way for his glory. In the meantime, while he hasn't, you know, he may take whatever we have away and it might change and we're to keep praying unless we hear specifically but we need, it keeps us dependent on God. It keeps, see, grace isn't a one-off event. It's, 
It's, it's our life. It's, it's, we have to be dependent. God keeps us dependent on him in relationship. He wants us dependent on him. And sometimes the only way that we can continue to be dependent on him and have that relationship with him is by recognizing that we are weak. We have struggles, issues, past hurts, past memories, all these things. But in him, his grace is sufficient and we can live life to the full and grow more like his son. John Newton, the slave trader, as we know, uh, who became uh, powerfully changed, he, he is best known for his hymn, Amazing Grace. Apparently, John Newton tried to write a new hymn every week. But anyway, there is one that is hardly known and not very popular, probably understandably why. I mean, some of you might know it, but, um, and I'm going to read it. He says, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray, and he, I trust, has answered prayer, but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hope that in some favoured hour at once he'd answer my request and by his love's constraining power subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more, with his own hand, it seemed, intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair designs I schemed, blasted my gourds, not sure what that means, and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried, Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayest seek thy all in me. We can only do that in the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to remember your power at work in us. Help us to remember that in our weaknesses, in whatever we have, in past hurts, in things that just digging in us all the time and make us sad or make us pain and we're hot. Some things maybe we... It's hard for us to forgive ourselves for. Help us to remember you, that you said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Help us to remember that, Lord. Help us to be dependent on you, however hard it is, whatever we go through. And may people see in us the joy of our salvation, even in the midst of difficulties. May we grow more and more like Jesus as we allow ourselves to be full of him by the Holy Spirit. May we grow more and more like Jesus so that more and more people are attracted to Jesus through us, even in our trials. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We can't, but you have given us all that we need. We can do all things through Christ, who strengthens us. Amen. We're going to stand and sing two, two, uh, two songs, um, remembering that we are to, all through whatever we're going through, and if we've got a thorn digging in us, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus always and give thanks to him, because it's through him that it is possible to live this kind of life. So let's give thanks with a grateful heart.
according to his power that is at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.